Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis, and it is time for a preview of the 2021 BNP Paribas Open in Indian Wells, California for the first time since 2018. Uh, it was famously the tournament that was first canceled in March 2019 at the very beginning of the coronavirus pandemic as far as the United States is concerned and as far as most of the uh, the sporting world is concerned. And as I, I like to begin with tournaments like this, it's great to have it back. So Indian Wells in an unconventional calendar spot in October. My understanding is that it's going to be a little bit hotter. Um, the fall desert conditions, generally a little bit hotter. I did check the weather, and there's going to be a lot of days. It's going to be around 90 degrees. So uh, that is something to possibly watch out for, but I will begin this preview by discussing the recent history along with the conditions um, that the players will face at Indian Wells as far as court speed, as far as height of bounce is concerned, and the things that I will weight heavily when predicting this event. So in 2017, the final was between Federer and Vavrinka. Federer won it in straights. Other players to make the semis were Pablo Carreño Busta and Jack Sock. You also had Dominic Team making the quarterfinals along with Kei Nishikori, Nick Kyrgios, and Pablo Cuevas. In 2018, you had Juan Martin Del Potro winning a fantastically entertaining final against Roger Federer. I believe Federer lost match points in that match. Milos Raonic made the semifinals. Raonic has always been great at this event. Uh, he is not playing. He is not in the field this year. Borna Chorich made the semifinals. Sam Querrey and Kevin Anderson, along with Hyun Chung and Philip Kohlschreiber, were all quarterfinalists. Most recently in 2019, Dominic Team defeated Roger Federer in the final. Uh, Raonich once again made the semis. Rafael Nadal had to give a walkover in the semifinals, uh, but he made the semifinals. Hachinov, Hercoc, Kechmanovic as a lucky loser, and Gail Monfils were all quarterfinalists. Oh, and Dominic Team. And Dominic Team had to, uh, uh, or, or he gave a walkover to uh, Monfils, so I priority set him. Okay, what are the themes here? Names like Juan Martin Del Potro, Dominic Team, Stan Wawrinka as recent champions, recent finalists, along with a lot of usual suspects. Uh, Roger Federer when he was in really good form in 17 and 18, um, along with a guy like uh, Nadal and obviously uh, some of the, the usual suspects. Guys with weapons, players who hit really heavy from the back of the court, players with excellent kick serves, and I believe that is due to the grittiness of the court. And that is the most unique attribute of the conditions at Indian Wells. The court takes to spin very, very heavily. So if you hit balls with heavy topspin, you're going to get a really good jump, a really good kick off that hard court. It's slow. You know, it, you don't get the skid through. Right, courts that kind of, when the ball really skids and bounces, generally that's hand-in-hand -hand with bouncing very low, that's where you're going to get a lot of winners and balls kind of almost getting through the court really, really easily. With Indian Wells, it's more about heaviness, and it's going to favor the heavier topspin players. Uh, it's going to be 
pretty hard to hit winners. The conditions are, again, slow, but also the height of bounce. It's going to be a high height of bounce. And I think too much is made of how fast the court is and not enough is made of how high bouncing the court may be and how well it might take to topspin. So the main thing that I look for with Indian Wells and who does well there, it's usually going to be heavy hitters. Hitters that not only hit the ball hard, but hit the ball with a lot of RPM. Uh, players who hit good kick serves, a lot of the big servers do well here, but strength and heaviness uh, with the ground strokes is going to be very, very important. With that being said, it is time to get into the quarter-by-quarter quarter preview where I give a quarterfinal prediction, a dark horse, and an upset alert, and a popcorn matchup. But first, let's thank our sponsors, Rally Tennis. Rally Tennis is a new mobile app that makes it easy to play tennis in your area, whether you want to compete or just train. Creating an account is free. Just head over to rallytennis.com or search for Rally Tennis in the App Store. And if you sign up and use me as the refer, you'll also get $10 towards your account. All right, Indian Wells, California. Full crowds, I believe. They just need to be, they're just going to be vaccinated crowds. First quarter, is Daniil Medvedev the number one seed? Yes. No Novak Djokovic. No Rafael Nadal. Still no Roger Federer. That has been the case for a while now, but I, I will throw that in there. Uh, Daniil Medvedev is the number one seed, the reigning U.S. Open champion. Top seeds in his quarter are Hubert Hercoc, Denis Shapovalov, Riley Opelka, Aslan Karatsev, Grigor Dimitrov, Filip Krajinovic, and Sebastian Korda. There's a lot of intrigue in this quarter, in my opinion. Um, I think that one of any of kind of the top four, I like Medvedev here. Obviously, as one of the one of the favorites, he's in the mix. Uh, Hubert Hercoc as well. He's been really hot. Most of his success this year has come on the American hard courts. He's played really well on the American hard courts, whether it be Miami, uh, Delray Beach. Um, a really good result. This is not an American hard court, but he's coming off a really good result in Mets on the indoor hard courts as well. Uh, Denis Shapovalov, who has struggled as of late since making that Wimbledon semifinal, has not put together good results, but has played well in similar conditions, uh, most notably in Miami. Shapovalov has played very well. Riley Opelka, I also think, has a good chance here. Again, the big servers play well. Raonic has had excellent results here. Kick serves are very effective, and Opelka has a very good one. He also appreciates the high height of bounce where he can flatten out his, his ground strokes um, and kind of get that nice flat trajectory, try to hit through the court um, from a high contact point. Opelka will enjoy that. Aslan Karatsev, I don't have much confidence in right now. I know that he's, I mean... You know, it hasn't been the worst stretch for him the last couple tournaments, but I just don't think he's hitting his forehand very well. And most importantly, I just think he's been fragile mentally. Grigor Dimitrov got out of a slump and made the semifinals in San Diego. But honestly, I, he's still not someone who I really back in uh, against top competition at the moment. Moment. Filip Krajinovic is in a massive slump right now. I thought that after beating Tsitsipas in Hamburg 
that we could see him maybe gain some confidence, but nothing he's doing right now is really inspiring at all. Sebastian Corda, on the other hand, is an interesting candidate, and I think the most dangerous of the kind of lower-seeded players in this quarter. Um, Corda is someone who takes the ball on the rise, appreciates a hard court, grew up in the heat, training a lot in um, in Florida and Las Vegas with Andre Agassi. He'll understand these conditions very well. He's dangerous, just needs to stay healthy and be durable. And whenever he's durable and healthy, he's been a really, really tough out here. My dark horse in this quarter is the winner of a first-round match that I believe will be a, a pretty fun one between James Duckworth, who I've featured in a recent video, The Hottest Players Outside the ATP Top 45. Uh, James Duckworth, the Australian, very quirky game with a big serve for his height, someone who loves to come forward, which makes um, which makes for his game very kind of ideal for hitting through slower courts because he finishes up at net. Um, but he has a very good backhand side where he can hit very aggressive and flat, or he has an excellent backhand slice. I have concerns about the forehand, um, but Duckworth is red hot right now, and um, he will face Mackie McDonald in this first-round matchup. McDonald is someone who really kind of is what everything I said about Corda only times 10, where he always hits on the rise for that reason. He needs a hard court. He loves a hard court. He's a Californian kid. Um, he likes the high contact point as well, and that's important for him because uh, when the ball gets low, he doesn't respond very well to that. He has a lot of power, and he's played really good tennis all summer. So McDonald and Duckworth will play Daniil Medvedev in the second round. And as you can see, that is my early popcorn match because I think if Duckworth or McDonald are used to the conditions and Medvedev is having a little bit of a hangover, he hasn't played in a, in a long time, if there's a little bit of rust, if there's a little bit of an adjustment period getting used to the Indian Wells conditions, which are unique conditions, um, I do think that that could be an interesting match. My upset alert is Grigor Dimitrov as I pull up the draw here. Um, so Dimitrov, I think, could have an interesting first round in the winner of Daniel Altmaier. Altmaier hits very heavy topspin. He's got very heavy ground strokes. I'm surprised he hasn't done more on the main tour ever since his breakout at Roland Garros uh, 2020. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, 2020. Uh, but yeah, big, strong athlete, very powerful. Just needs to be more consistent. Uh, just needs to... I mean, he, he makes way too many unforced errors. That's Altmaier's problem. He has, he has a good kick serve, too. But Altmaier should love these conditions at Indian Wells. Uh, Sam Query has also someone who's had success here, another Californian guy. Um, so I think Grigor Dimitrov could have a tough second-round matchup, and he is on upset alert. Here's how I see this quarter ultimately shaking out, and I'll reveal my quarterfinal in a moment. I don't love Medvedev and Hurkacz, although by form, they should be the heavy favorites here. Um, 
they are just not the kind of player who I think will be accentuated by these conditions. They are flat ball hitters. They like pace coming at them. They like to redirect. They want their ball to kind of skid through the court. Um, they want their depth to be effective. They want their serves to be ultra effective, although they don't have great kick serves. They're more flat serve hitters, slice serve hitters. So for all these reasons, I don't love them. I don't love Riley Opelka either because I, I think Medvedev is a terrible matchup for Riley Opelka. So I have Medvedev taking out Opelka. I don't trust Korda yet enough to put him all the way through the semifinal. So if you're catching my drift here, I have a bold pick. And I have Shapovalov getting through Medvedev. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Gil, you must not be following tennis at all right now. Because anyone who's been following tennis knows Denis Shapovalov has not been good. He's been bad. I know he's been bad. I get I get it. I, I have been following tennis. Uh, Shapovalov has not been good since his run of the Wimbledon semifinals. He won a couple of matches at the U.S. Open. They weren't really convincing wins. I, I remember one was over Roberto Carballas Baena. Um, no, they, they weren't great wins. And then, uh, and then he lost to Lloyd Harris. Um, but I'm not really panicking. With any other player, I would look at those recent results and I would say, okay, I'm not going to pick him to go far because he's not playing well. But with Shapovalov, I know better than that now. And I, I know it's kind of difficult to predict when he's going to break out of that rut. But I understand, you know, don't panic when Shapovalov is on a cold streak because once he wins a couple of matches and the conditions are, are right for him and they're correct for him, it's kind of like a, a switch is flipped and that now he becomes this super dangerous player and he can just make a run out of nowhere. That's kind of how Shapo works. He's not a consistent player uh, week to week. So I'm not going to panic off of his recent results. I look at his draw. I like it. And I, I just think there's opportunity for him. And I think these conditions, these slow conditions that reward the heavy hitters and give Chapo time for his backswings, give him time for his return, um, again, protect his backhand defense a little bit, ideal. Ideal for him and not ideal for Hercotch and Medvedev. So... That's why I have Shapo coming through Daniil Medvedev's quarter. Let's move on to the number four seed, Andre Rublev's quarter. Andre Rublev has Casper Ruud, Diego Schwartzman, Roberto Bautista Agut, Dan Evans, Cam Nori, Lloyd Harris, and Dushan Lajovic. Um, all right, Andre Rublev. Coming off a run in San Diego, Casper Ruud coming off a better run in San Diego and winning the title there in very convincing fashion. He started to starting to make some inroads, Casper Ruud. I mean, he was terrible on hardcore before this summer, and now look, his results until last week have not been anything that would blow you out of the water, but they've been good. And uh, you know, coming off. The, the four titles that, that he won, um, and now it's five, leading the ATP, 
Casper Ruud is doing a lot of good things. He's only 22 years of age, and he's got a lot of really intriguing tools. And look, let's face it, this court plays a lot like a clay court in the speed, in the bounce. Um, and someone with who hits a heavy topspin with a massive forehand, look, we have seen Dominic Team. we have seen this as his best hardcore tournament outside of the U.S. Open. So Casper Ruud is someone to watch out for. Diego Schwartzman has had super up and down results recently. I don't think that his serve um, is, uh, I find his serve to possibly be a problem on a court like this. It just, you know, I, I think it helps to have a heavier second serve than Diego Schwartzman has. But he will be in every return game, and uh, Schwartzman could enjoy these conditions as well. I'm not really sure what his uh, career results are at Indian Wells. Uh, Roberto Batista Agut just hasn't been great this year. It's a down year, down trajectory. Dan Evans, the court is too slow for him. Cameron Nori is someone who could be really good here. I mean, it's, you know, on one hand, <laughs> I mean, for, for the most part, he's just had an excellent 2021. So I like Cam Nori here. Lloyd Harris, uh, a bit of an injury concern coming in to this event. I also think that it's a little slow for him. He wants his his serve and his forehand to allow him to finish points quickly. When he's dragged into rallies too much, that's not good. Uh, players can get it to his backhand. Uh, Dusan Lajevic has been incredibly uninspiring, just really not good at all. Um, so he's my upset alert just for that reason. My dark horse is Tommy Paul. Uh, Tommy Paul hasn't been awesome this year for the most part, but he's a great athlete. He plays really good defense, but he's got one of the best kick serves in men's tennis. I think it's one of his best attributes. He's got a spinny forehand that are that will keep players at bay um, with the on these gritty hard courts. They'll keep them back off their off the baseline. Um, he will defend that forehand side very very well. Um, I think that he is in a decent part of the draw, Tommy Paul. Um, playing Feliciano Lopez, who's been very vulnerable in the first round, playing Dusan Lajevic in the second round, who is on upset alert. He has Andre Rublev. Um, these courts and conditions, I can't say that they will be ideal for Andre. I mean, again, I've covered this at length. Look, Rublev's kick serve is not a strong suit. Yes, he hits big. Yes, he hits heavy, but when his serve isn't working well and isn't doing damage, which it has not on the slower courts on tour, it makes it much more difficult for him to play the plus one tennis that he needs to play, and players can grind him down just like Cam Nori grinded him down. There are a lot of things in that matchup that... Um, that I don't want to get into too much depth here, uh, but obviously Nori beat Rublev in three sets, and there are a lot of problematic things in that matchup. And Rublev and Nori will likely play here if both of if the seeds hold, they will rematch. And I just think that Nori does so many things well, and there are so many patterns that work for him in the way he attacks Rublev's backhand, but not attacking it offensively, just hitting. Um, heavy, spinny, lefty forehands cross-court a la Nadal Federer uh, to Rublev's backhand, and Rublev just unable to really attack that ball. Um, and Nori, with the better shot tolerance, 
you know, I just think they're that among some other reasons. There are some really favorable patterns there, and I could see history repeating itself once again. Um, my early popcorn match is Dan Evans against Kanish Shakori in round two. That's not really a matchup that inspires me, to be honest. Um, but I like that I'm mentioning that Kanish Shakori is here. Uh, I think that Nishikori has been a little bit underpowered on these Indian Wells courts. I really think power pays on these courts in a really big way. And both Evans and Nishikori, I think, are both underpowered. But two good names, entertaining players, and I think that's worthy of a popcorn match of all the round two matches. That is the one that stood out. I thought about maybe Alejandro uh, Davidovich Fokina against Steve Johnson, but no, this one's better. Um, Soon Wu Kwan is in this quarter. You know, how, how will he follow up the title in Nur Sultan? I don't know. I don't really trust him as yet. A lot of his best results have been on indoor hard. This is a little bit different. Um, so we will see about that. Ultimately, revealing my quarterfinal here is Kaspar Rude taking out Cam Nori. Rude has Harris in his area. I explained why I'm a little bit hesitant to uh, to back Harris here, and I do like Rude. And again, I just think, look, th this should be great for Casper Rude. I am not overreacting based on his San Diego title. I'm really not. Um, I don't. I think Indian Wells could have been without San Diego, and I would have really liked Rude. He's less likely to be rushed on these courts, and his heavy topspin is going to do well. Plus, he has more time to run around his backhand and find forehands. He's just looking very fit, very spry, and he's he's moving so well this year. I think that is the biggest difference is his fitness. That's the number that's the thing to me that's really changed about Root and his serve. His serve is way better than it was um way back when. So, um I feel good about about Casper Root here. I feel better about him than Andre Rublev, Diego Schwartzman, RBA. I feel better about him than all the, the top seeds. So I'm putting Kasper Rude through. Will he run out of gas? Is, is it a bad thing that he made, that, that he won San Diego? I think a lot of the times it is. The good thing about Indian Wells, I don't think it's too taxing in general. I think you get days off. It is an 11-day tournament. You're playing best of three with days off in the early rounds. So I'm uh, my only concerns about Kasper Rude are mental against the best players in the world. Those are my concerns. Other than that, I'm loving him right now. So I will ride Kasper Rude, that momentum, and I'm putting him through. Alexander Zverev's quarter. Zverev has Matteo Berrettini, Yannick Sinner, Gael Monfils, Lorenzo Sinego, John Isner, Carlos Alcaraz, and Taylor Fritz. I would say from... Until uh, until Taylor Fritz, this is probably the deepest quarter. I mean, let me just let me just confirm that. I, I know it's not Tsitsipas's quarter. I'm looking at Rublev's again. I'm looking at Medvedev's again. Medvedev's is good, but I think this is the deepest quarter. I think there are a lot of guys here who are playing good tennis, who are on somewhat of hot streaks. Um, Alexander Zverev... Um, Zverev, one of the biggest things I think that's important for him is that the ball bounces high. I think that is uh, one of the more underrated keys for Zverev. I don't think it matters much if the court's playing fast or if it's playing slow. I think he can be really great no matter what. But when the ball's bouncing low, 
that is when I think that sometimes he can struggle. He doesn't like to go down and hit up on the ball. Um, so that's good. That that fares well for, for his Indian Wells um, prospects. Berrettini, look, massive forehand. Massive forehand, massive kick serve. You know I'm going to like him. Uh, Yannick Sinner um, is someone who will also probably enjoy these conditions. Uh, again, powerful ground stroker, heavy hitter. Gail Monfils is just playing way more inspired, made the final in Sofia last week, and has been kind of back ever since Canada. So you love to see that. It's just in time for the rankings kind of going back to normal. Monfils has been riding the coattails of the protected ranking system. And now that that goes away, Monfils looks like he's back. Um, Senego has also played some good ball. He is kind of someone who, with his serve and his forehand, kind of immune to conditions. Kind of, it doesn't really matter what the conditions are. Uh, he can win because he's he's a little bit like Berrettini light. You know, the, it's really it's a serve and a forehand, and because of those weapons, he, it kind of really doesn't matter. They they work in any conditions. John Isner. Um, Again, I like the big servers here. It's 90 degrees. Nobody really wants to run. The, the serves are pretty effective. The kick serve is unbelievably effective. So I, I like the big servers there. Carlos Alcaraz, let's see how he follows up the U.S. Open. Is he healthy? Has he been training hard? Um, is he 100% physically? Or did he have to, you know, he had to take some time off. So I would temper expectations here for Alcaraz. But other than that, it's... You know, clay-like conditions, lots of space on that center court where he would probably play his second round. More on that later. Um, and I just really like Carlos Alcaraz in general. I'm super high on him, and I'm a fan of. Uh, and I think he will continue to rise up the rankings relatively quickly from here on out. Taylor Fritz is someone really struggling to win right now, and that is someone who I don't find to be threatening. But other than that, I look at all of these seeds and. If you tell me they're going to the quarters, I would believe you right now. I would believe you. My dark horses here, Andy Murray and Jack Sock. Uh, Murray has shown flashes of top 30 level tennis, maybe even maybe even top 15 level tennis at times. He just seems to have some mental issues right now. But in the earlier rounds against players who he has confidence against, when he's like, yeah, I got this guy, I should beat this guy, uh, Murray's playing great. I don't know why, but he's running up against steep, stiffer competition, and he's just not able to maintain his level. But still, Murray looks super fit. I, I'm really impressed by how fast he looks and how strong he looks, and for that reason, happy to make him a dark horse. Jack Sock is my other dark horse. He is a former semifinalist here. That, again, that's not surprising to me. Heavy topspin, heavy RPM, uh, really massive kick serve. You know, his serve goes bounces 10 feet in the air. Um, at, at Indian Wells, and Sox, another man who is competing really, really hard right now, and he wasn't for a while. So uh, Sock is a is another dark horse. Upset alert, Taylor Fritz again, just not really winning right now. My early popcorn matches: Zverev versus Brooksby in round two, or Alcaraz versus Murray in round two. Now we could get both of those matchups, but. God, I mean, this is this is Zverev's section down there. Zverev's section is awesome because if we get those two matchups, mind you, the winner of those two matches will play in round three. So between Jensen Brooksby, 
Carlos Alcaraz, Andy Murray, and Alexander Zverev. I mean, that's just an awesome quarter. All of those guys uh, come with so much intrigue. Jensen Brooksby is a guy who I fully believe in, and I have unbelievable faith in in what he does on the court. Um, and I'm, you know, I think we're still learning about what Jensen Brooksby likes and what he doesn't like. I think that he's going to be one of those guys who fools people. People are going to look at him and they're going to think, okay, this is a grinder, so he likes the slow courts. I don't think that's going to be Brooksby. Again, we, we don't have much data. I don't think that's going to be true. I think that's false. I think Brooksby is going to actually like a court that kind of helps him create some offense because his serve is very slow, but he hits his spots. Um, his backhand is not powerful, but he changes direction well and hits his spots. He's precise with it. Uh, his backhand down the line is very good. So when you take those two things into account, you actually want a fast court. If you're going to hit your spots, but you don't have much power, you want a fast court to try to um, almost, you know, so you don't lose much speed and your ball becomes damaging. If your ball loses a ton of speed when it hits the court, you might hit your spot on your serve, or you might hit a great backhand down the line, and it's easily defended. So I think it's a little too slow for Brooksby. Um, all things considered, I put through Alexander Zverev over Matteo Berrettini. We've seen this, this matchup many times. I just think Zverev's the better player, and uh, I think Berrettini gets exposed in this matchup uh, because, um, because of Zverev's ability to uh, serve on par and return way better and uh, so much more comfortable in baseline rallies. Gets it to Berrettini's backhand rather easily. Zverev's a two-way player. Berrettini's a one-way player. Uh, this is not Wimbledon where Berrettini would have a chance in this matchup. This is Indian Wells. Um, so I like Zverev this week. Uh, more on that later. I mean, because uh, I, I push him, I'm pushing him through the semifinals, so obviously I'll talk to him when I get about him when I get to the final weekend. Let's finally get to Stefano Tsitsipas's quarter. His top seeds are Felix Ojealiasim, Pablo Carreño Busta, Christian Garin, Karen Hachinov, Alex Di Menor, Fabio Fanini, and Nicholas Basilashvili. Look, every time the draw comes out, you look at one top seed and you say they got a cakewalk. They got they won the draw. They won the draw. Stefano Tsitsipas clearly won the draw here. I mean, it's very, very obvious. I mean, if you look at his top seeds in his section, in his section, it's Garin, who has no confidence on hardcourt. It doesn't matter what hardcourt it is. Sometimes you look at certain hardcourts, you might say, okay, this one should suit him. Yeah, but for some reason, because of the movement, um, he just has no confidence on hardcourts. Sometimes it seems like for no reason. Alex DiMinor really struggling. Fabio Fanini not having a good 2021 at all. Unable to put together wins, string together wins. So, look, Tsitsipas just has bad seeds. And in terms of dark horses, um, Pedro Martinez, a man he already beat at the U.S. Open. But I, I do think Pedro Martinez is good. That could be his second round. By the way, qualifiers are not determined yet. Normally I wait, but I can't wait because of my travel schedule. So um, I'm getting this out as soon as possible. Uh, Holger Runa is uh, near Garin, so maybe we'll see that. That could be nice. Um, Holger Runa is one of my two dark horses, along with Emil Rusavori. But ultimately, Tsitsipas got a great draw here. Um, 
Emil Rusevori, really good on hard courts, not good on clay, not good on grass, um, but on hard courts, this man is a very consistent and clean striker of the tennis ball um, off of both wings. He's not overly athletically gifted. His serve won't blow you away, but um, I think anytime um, you get Rusevori on a kind of a slower speed hard court um, and, you know, you allow him to show off his ball striking capabilities. He can uh, he can be dangerous, and he's pretty hot right now. He's playing good tennis. Upset alert: Titi section. And what I mean by that is all of his seeds. I could see losing first round or second round because they get a buy. Um, all of them. I just think they're all vulnerable. Oh, by the way, I didn't go through the top seeds, so let me just do that right now. I'll continue. I know I covered some of them. Uh, Felix, FAA. Um, well, he's, as you can see, he's my other upset alert. Here's why. Look, I, I really think Felix is playing great right now. I think OJ Aliasim is playing good tennis. Um, and I think he's looking confident and more comfortable in his own skin. I think he panics less when things go wrong. And I'm a big fan of what I've seen recently from Felix. But I have him on upset alert. Because I think that these courts don't suit him. Um, I think that it's very important that Felix gets good traction out of his first serve. And that he gets a lot of damage from it. And these courts make that a little bit difficult at times. And I think it's also important that rallies end rather quickly when Felix is playing. And the longer the rally goes the more I think Felix struggles to outlast players in, in baseline rallies. So I just don't think this suits him. And as a result, I have him on upset alert. Um, he plays uh, the winner of Albert Ramos' Vino loss and Lorenzo Musetti. Lorenzo Musetti has really struggled recently, but I just don't think that's really going to last very long. Um, I, I think he's going to get out of the rut. I think he's that that streak is about to end because I think he's looking just a little bit better as of late. And I think honestly, a marquee matchup in a in front of a stadium crowd might kind of get him going because it's been mentally where Musetti has just not been able to focus very well on these matches. But if Ramos Vinolas beats Musetti, which is very likely, man, he's not going to miss very much. And we see how FAA sometimes when he's off can. Be very generous with the uh, with the unforced errors. Um, Karen Hatchinov has had success. He's a former quarterfinalist here at Indian Wells. Uh, some you know some things about this make sense. Hatchinov on a on a slow court can sometimes on a slow hard court can sometimes be pretty dangerous. Um, and then Nicholas Basilashvili, his power his power is is scary on a court this slow and gritty. Um, but you just can't really trust Basilashvili ever. Uh, you just can't really trust him. And that's why he's not ranked higher because he doesn't put enough balls in the court. And every once in a while he does, and then he's really hard to beat, but generally he just doesn't. So that's that. Uh, moving on to, I guess, I guess let me just address Holger Runa. Uh, Runa got a wild card here. Uh, he has been very, very good recently, and he's got a lot of power. He's got really good movement. He's strong um, off of both wings. He's a really clean ball striker. 
A lot of people saw that when he played Novak in the uh, in the first round um, at the U.S. Open. Let's see if he can make something out of this with this wild card because he has been. Oh, he just got his first top twenty-five win. He beat Sinego. Um, so he's confident, and I'm not like overly confident in Rune, Runa in ninety-degree heat. I don't think he loves that. But ultimately, conditions they you know. I think they suit him pretty well. I think he'd rather the slower conditions. And uh, I think he's worth a dark horse there. Early popcorn matches. Felix Ojealiasim against Lorenzo Musetti, if it happens. Or, or Ramos Vinolas, if that happens. Again, I just think that can be a good match. And uh, I'm curious to see that because I think it could be close. And I think it could be good. My quarterfinal here is Stefano Tsitsipas moving on against Pablo Carreño Busta. Carreño Busta has had an excellent 2021. The only blip in the radar is that loss in the first round of the U.S. Open to Maxime Cressy, which I think really stings him. He was so upset after that match. I was there. Um, but I trust him on this slow, hard court um, to do the PCB thing and play some really awesome grinder-like baseliner tennis and work his way to the quarterfinal, but ultimately Tsitsipas has so much more firepower than him. If you look at the recent winners, Juan Martin Del Potro, Dominic Team, to me, Stefano Tsitsipas is in that mold, in that elite forehand category with the, the, the heaviness that he brings off of that wing and just how dominant he is. The extra time for Tsitsipas to run around and find more forehands the good kick serve that Stefano Tsitsipas possesses and the excellent athleticism, the defense, the willingness to play the long rallies. He checks all the boxes to me uh, at Indian Wells, and I will happily uh, favor him in this quarter. He's got a great draw as well, and I put him over Karina Busta in the quarterfinal. Let us get to the final weekend now. Da, 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 da. There it is. Kaspar Ruud defeats Denis Shapovalov in three sets. Stefano Tsitsipas defeats Alexander Zverev in three sets. And Tsitsipas defeats Ruud in two sets. Ultimately, I think the champion will come from the bottom half of this draw. I think it will be either Stefano Tsitsipas or Alexander Zverev. I don't have a lot of trust in Denis Shapovalov. Um, I don't have that much trust in Casper Ruud. Again, my only complaint with Ruud is that against the elite competition, he has not played his best tennis. He has shrunk, and I believe that he has been a little bit timid mentally, lacking some confidence, lacking some, some bravado, some I'm-supposed-to-be-here attitude. And for that reason, Ruud um, has not fared well in these big semifinals. But, but look, I'm, look, he's never made a Masters final. He's only made semifinals, I believe three of them, maybe four, and I do have him breaking that streak and beating Shapovalov, but Tsitsipas a pretty easy pick for me in that final. And again, um, I'm confident in Stefano Tsitsipas giving the conditions. Now, I was not high on Tsitsipas all summer long. I didn't really pick him um, for the most part because I felt like he was a little bit off mentally um, throughout the summer. Ever since Hamburg, really, I mean, just every, you know, he just didn't look right. Every, every match was drama, and his temperament was all over the place, and it was just, 
he he looked like 2019 Pass. I mean, there was drama around him. Uh, he was just wasting way too much energy at all times. And uh, I, I didn't like that all summer. But look, he's had a break here, and we've seen him kind of bounce back from these tough losses before. I know that a lot of people were saying that the loss against Alcaraz at the U.S. Open was going to scar him. Heck no, it's not going to scar him. He's, he'll be absolutely fine. And I could just see him bouncing back in this spot. And uh, he's a highly motivated and a highly competitive player. I think that matters um, at this time of year. I think the players that um, can sometimes fade a little bit in terms of competitive spirit are most likely to do that after the U.S. Open. I don't think Pass fits into that category. So uh, I'm putting him through. Uh, good news. I will be covering this tournament rather heavily on YouTube, so make sure you are subscribed to the channel for frequent match analysis of these Indian Wells matchups, and um, I will be, uh, again, very active on YouTube. So uh, with that being said, follow me on Twitter, at Gil underscore Gross. I'll talk to you soon. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe, and I'll see you next time.